to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Back in the studio again, just, but just barely, just just barely on this Wednesday, September the 21st, 2022, in the Feast of St. Matthew the Apostle and Evangelist. Praise be to God. Going to have a great program for you today. Looking forward to it. Dr. Thomas Williams, Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief, is going to be our guest to talk about Cardinal Joseph Zen and his trial that has just begun without the Vatican support. Very interesting, isn't it? I mean, the EU Parliament supports him, just not the Vatican or His Holiness. So that's awkward. We're going to have that conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. Stick around if you can. Hey, not only did the, uh, the uh, what do you call those, uh, Flemish Dutch bishops uh, come out uh, with a, uh, a guide for accompaniment in homosexual persons at uh, sort of at odds with the Vatican, interestingly enough, to include a same-sex homosexual thing, marriage, whatever, blessing. There's that. We're going to talk about that. But also, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, speaking of your friends there, Rudy Carlos, he signed a law. He he wants to allow human bodies to become garden soil. Oh, okay. So Composting um, 101. Don't get me started on that. Uh, so, because uh, yeah. some mm-hmm. might say... Some might say you take your broken a, eggs it's and a your grandma theory. and you put them in a backyard composting pile. All right, listen, There, this has already been happening. They liquefy the remains, yeah. and then they put it in the water supply. Not, not this one. Yeah, not, not like that. But This particular brand of composting is just diff- slightly mm. different. Yeah. We'll, Have we'll you heard about, about the, the one about uh, mm. you get planted into a pod and you turn into a tree? Well, I think that's what they're going for. Oh, is that for. what it is? I oh. think they're going for that. Man, we'll talk so about cringe. that at uh, 15 past the hour. Dr. Paul Kengor is going to be on the top of the next hour to talk about uh, the corruption of the education system, canceling student debt and its ramifications. Stick around for that if you can. According to Massachusetts Transportation Service, a protest group, uh, heads up Boston, this, this pertains to you, on your way to work this morning, a protest group has notified the media it plans to disrupt travel along several routes in the Boston area Wednesday morning, that's today, at approximately 7 a.m., so uh, sit back and relax. Puppets and banners are going to be involved, so it should be somewhat entertaining. Just make sure to stop by Dunkin' Donuts to get that uh, extra large, extra, extra, coffee on your way for your entertainment. And the Pentagon said on Tuesday that it was sticking to its COVID-19 vaccine mandate, despite President Joe Biden's declaring the pandemic is over. And we had that conversation, was it last week, about uh, you know the memorandum to the Pentagon saying, hey, you're kind of violating everybody's constitutional rights. <laughs> but other than that, they're going to stick with it. Good morning to you. How'd it go yesterday, by the way? Good morning, Joe. It was fantastic. Uh, the past two days were great. Brent mm-hmm. Haynes was a mm-hmm. fantastic co-host, mm-hmm. and uh, we all had a good time. You had a good time. Yeah. Praise be to God. Unfortunately, I realized after the fact that mm-hmm. I picked an article that was a little long in the tooth. Was it? I don't think I made my point very well yesterday in the What's Concerning Us segment. But that, other it than happens. that, it happens. it happens. It's all right. It happens. You got what I meant to say. Did they? But mm. not the way that I want it. And I'm a perfectionist. So, <laughs> so there you go. There's that. 
Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca, hanging out on the ones and twos this morning. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Yeah. It's a uh, good day to be alive. I did a yeah. interview with uh, my buddy Colton yesterday after the show, who's entering the uh, Carmelite Hermits over in Pennsylvania. And so he's uh, he actually he's going to be gone on starting this coming Monday, and he'll be gone forever. He's not, he, even, he's not even allowed to write letters or nothing. Did he say, well, they're, um, bye. bye. They're of the ancient observance. They sleep on straw beds nice. and everything. It's pretty intense. Uh, so pray for him and pray for the Carmelites. It would be uh, very grateful. <laughs> pray for the Carmelites. They don't know what they're getting themselves yeah, into. They're going to need it. They're going to need it. He doesn't uh, yet know that, yeah. that that's what awaits him. Praise be to God. Well, I am glad to be back, I, although I'm, uh, I'm, I'm struggling a bit. I mean, two 10-hour days on the road, back-to-back. Developed an abscess in my mouth, and then, and then uh, allergies, and poof, I just feel totally wiped out. So hopefully we'll, it, right? we will survive the weekend. The Grand Canyon alone is worth the price of admission. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> epic. You can't even wrap your head around it. It's so, so intense. But uh, by, the, by the glory of God, we were able to experience a little bit of it anyway. Hey, let's pray. We have a lot to get to today. Do us a favor and do share us with a friend. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, and here are your headlines this morning. The Washington Examiner reports immigrants flown to Martha's Vineyard sue DeSantis. DeSantis's administration arranged about 50 immigrants to be flown out of Texas into Martha's Vineyard last week to wake up Democrats on the border crisis situation. The plaintiffs claimed they were duped into taking the flight under false pretenses and suffered harm that, quote, at minimum exceeds $75,000, unquote. DeSantis's office shrugged off the suit as opportunistic and countered that the flights to Martha's Vineyard were done on a voluntary basis to give homeless, hungry, and abandoned immigrants a fresh start in a sanctuary state. Axios reports the FDA says outdated systems and training fueled uh, infant formula crisis, if you remember that. The FDA on Tuesday acknowledged that it had been poorly equipped to handle the baby formula crisis that erupted in spring, lacking sufficient technology, personnel, and authority to address the situation. Several babies died of suspected Chronobacter bacterial contamination, triggering a massive recall of Abbott Nutrition formula and widespread shortages of formula that sent parents scrambling to meet their baby's nutritional needs. The agencies faulted Abbott for triggering the crisis, saying conditions at the company plant in Sturgis, Michigan, were not consistent with strong food safety culture. The FDA, however, does not have the authority to require manufacturers of infant formulas or certain medical foods to notify it when they become aware of a circumstance that could lead to a shortage of these, these products for the U.S. consumers. And the Epic Times reports U.S. veteran suicide rates may be 2.4 times higher than government reports, according to a study. Suicide rates among America's military veterans are more than double that reported by the VA, according to a new study published by America's Warrior Partnership. AWP, as uh, I'm, I'm shortening their name there, found that the suicide rate among veterans over five, a five-year period was 1.3 times more than the rate officially reported by the VA. If the eight states of age adjustment 
represented a national rate. There would be an average of two, 24 former service members dying each day by officially declared suicides compared to the VA's 2014 to 2018 average of 17.7 veteran suicides per day. Please pray for that situation. And the Daily Caller reports, DOJ prosecutes Planned Parenthood widow breaker, window breaker, but has yet to arrest crisis pregnancy center attackers. The Justice Department announced that a man pleaded guilty to vandalizing a Planned Parenthood clinic despite reportedly going months without arresting anyone responsible for a number of attacks on crisis pregnancy centers since May. Devin Friedrich Cruz entered guilty, uh, guilty pleas for two misdemeanor accounts of freedom of access to clinic entrances, or otherwise known as Face Act violations, having destroyed property and broken windows at Grants Pass, Oregon Planned Parenthood Clinic on November 23rd and on November 26, 2021. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Mara Troyes. She was born in September 21st, AD 850. She was nobly born at Troyes in Champagnes in the ninth century. In her youth, she obtained of God by her prayers the wonderful conversion of her father, who had till then led a worldly life. After the, his happy death, Mora continued to live in the most dutiful subjection and obedience to her mother. Sedulia, and by the fervor of her example, was the sanctification of her brother Eustorpius and of the whole family. The greatest part of the revenues of their large estate was converted into the patrimony of the poor. The virgin's whole time was consecrated to the exercises of prayer, to offices of obedience or charity in attending on her mother and serving the poor, or to her work, which was devoted to the service either of the poor or of the church. For it was her delight in a spirit of religion to make sacred vestments, trim the lamps and prepare wax and other things for the altar. God, she spent almost all her time and morning in the church adoring God, praying to her divine redeemer and meditating on the circumstances of his sacred life and passion. Every Wednesday and Friday she fasted, allowing herself no other substance than bread and water, and she walked barefoot to the monastery of Montanay, two leagues from the town, where she prayed a long time in the church and with the most perfect humility and compunction, laid open the secrets of her soul to the holy abbot of that place, without whose advice she did nothing. The profound respect with which she was penetrated by for the word of God, and whatever regarded the honor of her adorable name, is not to, to he expressed. So wonderful was her gift of tears that she seemed to never fall upon her knees to pray uh, hurt they stream, that they streamed from her eyes in torrents, God performed many miracles in her favor, but it was her care to conceal his gifts because she dreaded the poison of human applause. In her last sickness, she received the extreme unction in viaticum with extraordinary marks of divine joy and love and reciting often the Lord's Prayer. Expired at those words, thy kingdom come on the 21st of September in 850, being 23 years old. Her relics and name are honored in several churches in the part of France and she is mentioned in the Gallican Martyrology. She ha ha see her life written by St. Prudentius of Troves, who is acquainted with her, and also of Gaget and Menzongu, Eveas de Santis. St. Maria Troyes, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. 
As Jesus passed by, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the customs post. He said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said, Those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome, quoting in the 4th century here, says, quote, The righteous man accuses himself, which is why Matthew calls himself both Matthew and publican, to show the readers that none need despair of salvation who turn to better things, seeing he, from a publican, became an apostle. Close quote, St. Jerome. So, if, if there's hope for the publican... <sighs> You got this in the bag. I mean, you're good to go. It's almost as if he said, uh, "If you can be, if you can be saved and be a politician, man, you you got pretty good chances." <laughs> Father Remigius, uh, uh, quoting in the ninth century here, says, "Quote and because he relinquished earthly gain, therefore of right was he made the dis- the dispenser of the Lord's talents." Close quote. He gave up worldly things. Saint Chrysostom in the fourth century says, quote, but why did, did he not call him at the same time with Peter and John and the others? Because he was then still in hardened state. But after many miracles and great fame of Christ, when he who knows the inmost secrets of the heart perceived him more disposed to obedience, then he called him. Chrysostom goes on to say, why, why is it then that nothing is said of the rest of the apostles, how or when they were called but only Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and Matthew? Because these were in the most alien and lowly stations. For nothing can be more disreputable than the office of publican, nothing more abject than that of fisherman. Close quote, St. Chrysostom. Hillary, Bishop Hillary in the 4th century says, quote, Christ came for all. How is it then that he says he came not for the righteous? Were there those for whom it needed not that he should come? But no man is righteous by the law. He shows how empty their boast of justification, sacrifices being inadequate to salvation. Mercy was necessary for all who were set under the law. Close quote. Bishop Hillary. There is a chance and an opportunity for you today. No matter your circumstances, no matter your past, turn to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the sacraments that he has established through his church. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. It's often said that people can engage in whatever sexual activity they please as long as it doesn't harm anyone. But is this a sufficient moral criterion for evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, 
it begs the question against the natural law moral theory. Since if the natural law approach is true, then sexual acts that the natural law condemns as immoral would be harmful to a person's moral character. Second, although it's true that we should avoid inflicting unnecessary harm, it can't be our only moral criterion. For if it were, then we'd have to say a person's intent to murder or rape someone is morally permissible as long as he doesn't carry it out. But that's absurd. Avoiding unnecessary harm is a part of a good moral theory, but it's not enough. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. So good to be back in the studio, too. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we're going to talk about uh, Cardinal Zen's trial without Vatican support. Uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief, is going to be our guest. Stick around for that. If you can, do share us with a friend. There are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And I was trying to figure out what, like, what happened while I was away. Because for the past week, I was totally unplugged. In fact, I was in a location in the Coconino National Forest where I didn't have Internet access. And uh, it was pretty sketch to participate in the show on Friday. <laughs> I had to, like, wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, drive a half hour to uh, one, one, of the guy, one of the guys who was on leadership team. He owns a RV park and, and convenience store in the National Forest. And he had Wi-Fi. So I had to park in front of his door to hack his Wi-Fi so I could be on the show on Friday. It worked out. But uh, nonetheless, I was a little worried about running over like elk at 2.30 in the morning. But we survived it. So I, I didn't really catch up. I didn't know what was going on out sure, there. Sure, Joe. Oops. Like, uh, I guess I'll have to take it home <laughs> then. <laughs> Officer, was I not supposed to already have that thing quartered in an ice icebox? I'm just curious. I'm How does sorry. this work? I didn't, time? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, they, they draw for elk out there. So even if you're a citizen of Arizona, you just don't that's, get to go That's hunting. legal, right? Like if you mm -hmm. if you accidentally no. get roadkill, yeah, no. you can take it? So no, that's okay. Now we're diverging to a random subject here. So you You'd have to call the uh, fishing game, and you, they can issue a special tag for that. Mm -hmm. So it's a race against the clock uh, to get them to come out in time to observe and verify and issue that special tag so that you can you cannot waste that meat. But uh, nonetheless, I did not know what was going on, and apparently there's a nuclear th war threat uh, from Russia. Who knew? China's talking about blockading Taiwan. I didn't know all of this. And uh, the EU's financial situation continues to spiral out of control. So there was all of that. But this one caught my attention this morning out of LifeSite News. California Governor Gavin Newsom signs law allowing human bodies to be turned into garden soil. It says California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, who some say are, is going to run for president in 2024. We'll see. Signed to controversial legislation over the weekend authorizing the composting of human remains for soil. The law will allow the material derived from the decomposed bodies to be sold and used to grow food for human consumption. That's fun. That is literally soil green. <laughs> that is quite literally soil green. Signed into law on Sunday, the Cemetery and Funeral Act uh, will implement regulatory methods for the state to approve so-called reduction facilities in which dead human bodies are broken down in a process not dissimilar to a household composting system. 
It says uh, California has become the fifth state to legalize the practice, joining fellow West Coast states, Oregon and Washington, along with Colorado and Vermont. Not surprised, Vermont. Not surprised. If I had to guess, I would have said Vermont was it's on going to go on the ice cream. Oh, man. Just don't do it. Back off. A SF Gate noted that California's law strays from Colorado in that it doesn't forbid the sale of, compo- of compo- composted human remains or the use of, of the soil for growing fruit and vegetables for human consumption. So listen, you know, before it used to cost you a lot of money to put your loved one, you know, in their final resting place. You had to buy a plot. You had to pay for all of the all of the extras, the the coffin, or even the even the you know the uh, cremation process. All of that costs money. Um, now you could actually maybe make money on your loved ones because you're just going to sell them to to a, a food processing company who's going to use them to grow food to feed you at the grocery store. Let that sink in. Is it any wonder that Catholics are like, yeah, no, uh-uh, mm-mm, no. We don't treat people this way. This is not how you treat the human person made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, it is bizarre that we live in a world. I shouldn't say that. I mean, honestly, are we surprised at all by this world? I mean, this world decides that it wants to uh, you know, pervert marriage between a man and a woman. It wants to pervert little children at schools. It wants to make wrong right and right wrong. It wants to have drag queen story hours and, and all the rest. And we have conservatives who, uh, 400 plus supposed conservatives, I don't know what they're conserving, these Republicans. I have no idea, which is why so many are disillusioned with political parties, both Republican and Democrat, because you support such great evils. Over 400 plus Republicans, supposedly, signing on to support the gay marriage bill uh, that was going through a Congress. Um, we live in bizarre times. We live in utter bizarre times. You do not treat human persons like they are composting. You don't throw the eggs, eggshells, and uh, coffee grinds, and grandma in your back composting pile. That is not the way you treat the human person made in the image and likeness of God. They must be treated with dignity. Now, although the church does allow for cremation, you still have to treat the remains with dignity. They can't be hanging out on the, uh, the mantle above the fireplace at the house. You don't spread them out uh, at the uh, the mountain, the Rocky Mountains, or uh, on the river, or on the beach. You, this, these are things that we don't do. You know, Joe, actually, um, you have to have the body present for the mass yeah. before it's cremated. So, that, Because the, that. the prayers actually do not account for remains. They need the body to be there. And then they have to be reposed properly yes, exactly. at a place where it uh, can be respectful, and you could visit, pay your respects, things like that. So a mausoleum, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems insane to me that we are going to continue to uh, rationalize our decisions in such ways. So obviously a lot of Catholics are speaking up, but this is just one of several states now, and I'm sure it'll only get worse. Uh, so check out this article over at LifeSite News uh, for more details. I saw the article also posted over at uh, Catholic News Agency as well, kind of the same information. But then there was this other story that I saw. I was catching up this morning on my way in. Bishops in Belgium defy the Vatican, publish ceremony for blessing same-sex unions. Again, I, I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not really. I'm not really surprised. Here's the article. It says, in open defiance of the Vatican, 
Catholic bishops in Belgium on Tuesday announced the introduction of blessing ceremonies for same-sex couples in their diocese. The bishops of Flanders also published a liturgy for the celebration of homosexual unions. Quote, in doing so, they are, they are going directly against the Vatican, close quote, reported uh, Nederlands Dogblad. How do you say that correctly? Nederlands Dogblad. I hope, I, I am sure I abuse that person's name. I am so sorry. The Vatican published an official clarification in March of 2021 that the Catholic Church does not have the power to give liturgical blessings of homosexual unions. However, uh, basing their argument on Amoris Laetitia, of course, I mean, the old get-out-of-jail-free card, eh? Cardinal Joseph D. Castle uh, of Brussels and other bishops of the Flemish-speaking part of Belgium on September the 20th published a document titled, quote, Being Pastorally Close to Homosexual Persons for a Welcoming Church that Excludes No One, close quote. The bishop's publication contains a suggested liturgy for same-sex blessings, including prayers, scripture reading, and parts in which the couple can express before God how they are committed to one another. I wonder, I'm just curious, I wonder if they'll come up with a document of, you know, meeting people where they are at, maybe a little liturgy, scripture, prayers, you know, to help, you know, maybe meet trad Catholics where they are at, because right now they're getting way less treatment than these people who support an intrinsically evil action, such as homosexual activity, right? So let that sink in. The bishops of the Flemish-speaking part of Belgium also announced that each diocese will appoint a person as, quote, concrete response and fulfillment to the desire to give explicit attention to the situation of homosexual persons, their parents and families, and the conduct of policy. Pope Francis also expressed this explicitly in his April 2016 apostolic exhortation on the pastoral care of families, Amoris Laetitia, or the joy of love. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith issued its latest declaration on same-sex blessings on March 15, 2021, in a document known as Responsum Ad Dubium, response to a question. In reply to the query, does the church have the power to give the blessing to unions of persons of the same sex? The CDF answered, negative. The congregation outlined its reasoning in an exp- explanatory note and accompanying commentary. The Vatican statement issued with the approval of Pope Francis sparked protests and opened defiance in the German-speaking Catholic world. <laughs> yeah, figures. Organizers held a day of protest in response to the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith's declaration that the Church does not have the power to bless same-sex unions. German priests and pastoral workers also openly defied the Vatican and conducted blessing ceremonies for same-sex couples. In July, the Secretary General of the Central Committee of German Catholics said that the Synodal Way, sometimes referred to as the Synodal Path, was a conscious statement against the current Catholic Catechism, which has been critical and disparaging of homosexuality since the mid-1970s and still reproaches homosexual activity as sin. Well, that's because it is. Just like cheating on your spouse is a grave, mortal sin. Just like pornography and masturbation are grave sins, like murder and stealing and lying. These are sins. They are bad things. You shouldn't do them. They kill the life of grace in your soul and separate you. You separate yourself from God. 
So you shouldn't do these things. It would be, it would lack charity on our part to pretend as though those things were no longer sins. And if you did them, well, who cares? It's all good. We just want to like be nice to each other. How is that nice if you end up dying outside of God's grace? Because then you would go to hell and that would not be nice. That would be bad. It'd be bad for you. And we want you to go to heaven forever, forever. So you have to speak up when speaking up is necessary. The article goes on to say his comments were published on July 17th in German and in, in, and in English uh, by Outreach, a website edited by Jesuit Father James Martin that describes himself as, quote, an LGBT Catholic resource, close quote. Several German bishops have recently come out in support of changes in church teaching on sexuality and gender identity. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says, quote, the number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. Close quote. Paragraph number 2358. It continues, these persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross and difficulties that they may encounter from their condition. Paragraph number 2358. It adds, homosexual persons are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship. By prayer, sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. Paragraph number 2359. You see, we all have to subdue our disordered passions. We all have to avoid the temptations that would lead to grave sins, that would kill the grace in our soul, that we need so much to obtain heaven. It is by the cross of Christ that has given us access to such grace, we squander it when we pretend that our sinfulness is somehow okay. It's not. we got to meet people where they're at. we got to help them get where they got to go. And that's heaven. So let's do that. We'll be right back. We have a great show still ahead. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the Statehouse, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, The Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it will be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. LifeSite reports, Biden transhumanist executive order. We need to program biology like we program computers, he says. The Biden administration issued an executive order calling for biotechnology that can predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers, a transhumanist practice in service of human health. As an example of such biotechnology, Executive Order 14081 included by implication the COVID-19 mRNA injection, citing the COVID-19 pandemic as demonstrating the vital role of biotechnology in developing and protecting life-saving vaccines that uh, protect Americans and the world. Efforts to program biology in human beings uh, not only present further potential dangers to health, such as those shown in the mRNA shots, but they would also increasingly open up the possibilities of eugenic enhancement, which is why gene editing has often been described as Pandora's box, potentially creating classes of genetic haves and have-nots in society. Ground News reports, UN Secretary General says polluters must pay, calls for extra tax on fossil fuel profit, profits. UN Chief Guterres says rich economies should hit oil and gas companies with new windfall taxes. Guterres says uh, fossil fuel companies are feasting on hundreds of billions of dollars on subsidies and windfall profits. Guterres calls for fossil fuel companies to pay for climate damage, and polluters should pay for the impact of climate-related events, he says. Comments come on the heels of a European Union proposal to introduce a windfall tax on oil, gas, and coal companies, many of which have reported record-high profits as Russia's war in Ukraine and the energy crunch send prices soaring. Ground News also reports as many as 45,000 Fords can't be sold because they're missing parts. And here I'm talking about Ford Motor Company, who said that their supplier costs in the current quarter could be $1 billion higher than expected. The automaker said uh, late Monday that it will end September with between 40,000 and 45,000 large pickups and SUVs that it can't finish because it doesn't have all the parts. The uncompleted vehicles are highly profitable for the company. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. I just saw this article um, a minute ago, actually, and I thought, uh, how interesting is this? This puts some perspective on things. I wonder if you could guess for me the five most expensive states to buy a house in in 2022. Now, I'm going to, okay, the first one, number one, Captain Obvious. Okay, super obvious. But I wonder if you can guess the other ones. I, I Probably. I'm sure you can probably guess them. But uh, nonetheless, I find this interesting. Coming in at uh, number five, number five is Colorado. Now, why I find this interesting is because of the cost of the average house. In Colorado, the medium home price is $343,000. That's the average price in Colorado. I wonder... How many people can afford a $343,000 home? I certainly can't. That's for sure. Coming in at number four, Washington State. The average home price there, $339,000. Percentage income to payment is 21%. Uh, Number three, the state of Oregon, one of those states that allows you to compost your your loved ones. (laughs) That's coming in at number three. Medium home price there is $312,200. And percentage income to payment is 21.92%. I wonder if you set aside 21% of your income just for your mortgage. Do you guys do that? I'm just curious. Leave that in the commentary if you're hanging out with us live on the video feed. 
Coming in at number two is California. The uh, the medium home price in the state of California is $505,000. It's a half a million dollars for the average home. <sighs> That's crazy. Percentage income to payment is 31, almost 32%. Like, that's a massive chunk of your income. No wonder so many families in the state of California have to have two-income homes just to survive. I mean, and I'm sure they have adult children who are still living at home, having to contribute to the mortgage every month. I mean, I'm sure that they get paid more. Their mortgages are are high, but I'm sure their, their income is a little higher than the average. Okay, fine, fair enough. But to be honest, I don't know how people can afford to live in a state like California where the gas is $6 plus and has been for a very long time. Not just, you know, the the most recent stuff, but just has been for a long time. And it will continue to get worse. But coming in at number one, Captain Obvious, I'm sure that you knew that this was the worst one, the worst offender. Coming in at number one, median home prices in the state of Hawaii is $615,300. The percent of income to payment is 35%, 35 plus percent. Now, I lived in Hawaii for two years, two plus years, two and a half, three years, whatever it was. I left Hawaii in 95. I was fortunate. I served in the Marine Corps, got to live on base, had a barracks that I could sleep in, had a chow hall I could eat at. I did have a vehicle, and I did get around, and, you know, that added up. But back in those days, gas wasn't all that expensive, even in, even in Hawaii. And uh, But I remember people I knew that lived in town. They lived in a tiny, tiny little apartment. And this was in the mid-'90s, late-'90s. Now, mid-'90s. And uh, they were paying $1,000-plus every month for the tiniest little ugly apartment you could think of. But somehow, some way, they did it. They did it through roommates and such, and it adds up. But it just it 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 boggles my mind that how expensive life can be, and how difficult the choices we have to make in raising our families, in making tough decisions. My wife and I made the decision when we first adopted our oldest. We were having miscarriages at the time, and uh, this child was put into our our lap almost who needed a home and i remember getting the call you know this kid needs a home and i said i hope he gets one (laughs) and uh my wife and i made the decision we would go visit him he was four and a half living in a home a giant home in new hampshire filled with wayward teenagers with no adult supervision in the middle of the night he lived like a little bird in a nest in the middle of the room and we decided right then and there that he had to come home with us And we made the decision that we would fight for him. We went to court. We spent thousands and thousands of dollars that we did not have. And uh, we we did what we could in order to to make sure that this kid was going to have a chance at life. And we spent well over 15 years struggling with him. But part of that decision process was for my wife to come home so that she could be available. Because, frankly, we put him in school and the school would call us every single day to come get him because he would tear things up because of you know, what had happened to him when he was a toddler, how difficult an emotional, physical, mental situation that he was in. And uh, we had to choose because my wife at the time made more money than I did. And I had to make ends meet. So I worked extra jobs. I I hustled hard on the side, two and three jobs at a time, just to try to make ends meet. 
it was hard. It was really hard. And uh, the cost of living just kept getting worse and worse and worse where we were living in New Hampshire. So we made tough decisions, and uh, we were very blessed. Our home, um, we bought our home in New Hampshire for a fraction of the cost of the market value because of the condition it was in and all of that, but we couldn't afford to fix it up. I was too busy working all the time and trying to finish college. So uh, tough decisions have to be made, but college you is. How often do we put ourselves in situations where it almost feels it's impossible because of how difficult uh, the, the market is and inflation is getting worse. I just spent two days going up. I spent a week. I drove up with two of my sons to uh, on a mission trip to a retreat for, for men and their sons in Flagstaff, south of Flagstaff, Arizona, at the end of the wild retreat. It was a great retreat, great men from all walks. I mean, it was just really, really impressive to be not only there because it's such a beautiful part of the planet, but also to be among such good men, trying and striving to seek God's grace, to live in a state of grace, to be good fathers, good husbands, to be good sons and good brothers. And uh, iron sharpens iron. It was very impressive to be there. And I, I reflected on how expensive everything was. Gas was really expensive. And uh, not cheap to go on a mission trip of that nature, let me tell you. It was pretty expensive. I couldn't wait to get back to the state of Texas just so I could save a penny on gas alone, let alone food costs in the grocery store, Flagstaff. I don't know how those people afford that stuff. I really don't. I mean, it was incredible to me to see the cost of food, regular food, at the grocery store in Flagstaff. But nonetheless, uh, these men, uh, they, they do what they can. They live there. They, they try to serve there. They try to, uh, to be planted, you know, where, to, to bring fruit where they are planted, so to speak. And it was a blessing to be a part of their life just for uh, such a brief period of time. And uh, we did get back last night very late. And it was a bit of a rough go getting back. But nonetheless, we, we survived it. And I had the opportunity. Uh, was it Monday morning? Yeah, it was Monday morning. I had the opportunity. We, we camped at uh, Grand Canyon National Park in the middle of the woods, in the middle of uh, elk country and the stars. Oh, man, the Milky Way. I am a sucker for a great star field. Let me just tell you, I could sit and look at a star field all night long, count the satellites that Did you know you can actually see satellites in the sky? Yeah, you can. They look like stars, only they don't twinkle and they move through the sky. They're not, they're not planes. They don't have red and green lights that flash. None of that. They look like stars. But when you look at the Milky Way, you realize how great God is, how amazing he is. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to commit myself to God even more when I see such grand beauty, like the Grand Canyon. Hiking down into the Grand Canyon on Monday was, was epic and awe-inspiring. We have to push back against this world. We have to live right. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. At your church, there's probably some great music, enthusiastic clapping, and maybe even a shout or an amen. But where's the church-wide act of contrition and the confessing of sins? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible and the church. Psalm 47 does declare, shout unto God. It does say, clap your hands, all you people. But there's one more highly valuable physical expression. Strike the chest. What's that? Three times your fist strikes your chest for external admission that my sins were my fault. 
Secondly, order of the Mass. Within the first 60 seconds of a Mass, the congregation says together, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Each of those are followed by my firm strike upon my chest. And my take out of Luke 18 says, but the corrupt tax collector dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, but beat upon his chest in sorrow. Proper order is confession before praise, sorrow before joy. And this makes sense. Why? Because remember what mom said, dinner first, then dessert. So don't forget to strike. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Hi, this is Father Stephen and Barato. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood to the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClay. So good to be back with you. Praise be to God. Uh, we're trying to work on getting uh, Dr. Thomas Williams, Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief, on. But there's uh, he's got a couple articles out of Breitbart on the Cardinal Joseph Zen story. I want to share one with you now. The headline goes, Cardinal Joseph Zen begins trial in Hong Kong without Vatican support. It says, trial opened Monday for the redoubtable Cardinal Joseph Zen, charged under Hong Kong's draconian national security law for his support of pro-democracy protests in 2019. Along with five others, Cardinal Zen was arrested in May 2022 for allegedly colluding with foreign forces and later charged with failing to register the now defunct 612 Humanitarian Fund which provided financial and legal aid to pro-democracy protesters. Along, uh, all of the defendants have pleaded not guilty to the charges, and their defense is expected to argue that the group had a right to associate under Hong Kong's basic law, which has been the law of the land since the British handed the territory over to China in 1997. The Beijing, uh, the, the Beijing imposed national security law took effect in June of 2020 and criminalized loosely defined activities such as secession, collusion with foreigners, and acts against national security with offenders facing up to life imprisonment. The Chinese government wants to cut off all forms of organizing and solidarity that run outside the Communist Party's control in Hong Kong. Um, said William Nee, Research and Advocacy Coordinator at Chinese Human Rights Defenders. The fact that Cardinal Zen is compassionate, caring, and well-respected in Hong Kong actually makes him a threat to the ruling authorities. The 90-year-old Zen has been a staunch supporter of democracy in Hong Kong and held a walkathon for universal suffrage, celebrated masses in remembrance of the 1989 crackdown in Tiananmen Square, and visited the Occupy Hong Kong site to offer moral support to the thousands who had gathered there. He is also uh, well known for his prison ministry, which has been a hallmark of his priestly work from the outset. This July, the European Parliament condemned Zen's arrest, calling it an attack on basic freedoms. Parliament condemns the arrest of Cardinal Joseph Zen, one of the strongest advocates of Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement, and of the other four trustees of the 612 Humanitarian Relief Fund, 
the EP stated, insisted, insisting that these and similar repressive actions constitute an attack on the freedoms guaranteed in Hong Kong basic law, including the freedom of religion or belief. The resolution urges the Hong Kong authorities to drop all charges against Cardinal Zen and other and the other four trustees, it added. Myanmar Cardinal Charles Bo also denounced the arrest, describing it as tragic example, as a tragic example of how far Hong Kong has fallen from its prior status as a beacon of freedom. And uh, joining us right now to discuss this in his article is Dr. Thomas Williams, Breitbart, Rome Bureau Chief. Good morning to you, Dr. Williams. Good morning. It's fun to be on your show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. We're grateful we were able to finally connect with you. So uh, how did the trial go? I've been reading your article here to our audience a little bit, uh, but uh, how is the trial going for Cardinal Zen and the others? Well, the the uh, trial has actually been adjourned temporarily for the strangest reason. should be normal for us now, I suppose. But COVID, and it's not the Cardinal, it is one of the judges in the trial has reportedly come down with COVID, and so they have put off the, the initiation. This happened Monday, right as the, it was about to go to trial. They postponed the, the beginning. So he is still in the dock waiting to, to be tried. And, okay, so according to your article, these guys are facing life imprisonment for, for helping. I mean, basically, the 612 Humanitarian Project was basically helping to uh, raise funds to help people with their legal defense. I mean, that's the extent of the 612 Humanitarian Project? That was it. Yes. All they were doing was there were a lot of people that were that were getting into situations where they needed lawyers, where they needed funds for legal fees and for um, and keeping their families afloat while they risked prison time or, or were effectively thrown into prison. And this humanitarian fund was there just to back them up. It did nothing. It didn't actually pay a part in. Uh, the protests at all. It was simply backing up financially and with also legal uh, advice those who were uh, in the protest movement. Do you think that they will get a fair trial? Is it, I mean, it's still Hong Kong, so it's possible to have a fair trial there or no? Well, this is the, this is the big question uh, because there's a lot hanging in the balance and it's going to tell us a lot about how deeply Beijing has sunk its fingers into the, the uh, Hong Kong legal system. It's certainly uh, the, the, uh, the new national security law in Hong Kong, which was imposed by Beijing on the territory, um, allows for a lot of arbitrary, like in this case, arbitrary detainment under these blanket uh, charges of things like collusion with foreign governments, which was initially what Cardinal Zen was brought in for. Um, and so it's going to be a real kind of a, a test balloon to figure out how serious they are about this. There's a lot of international attention on it. They may choose to back down. I think they already did by dropping his charges to simply those of, of not having registered this fund instead of the initial charges, which were a lot more serious. They sounded like espionage or, or even treason. Uh, so my guess is, although I'm no prophet, my guess is that this will not be as severe as it could. Um, it would certainly help an awful lot if the Pope were to stand up and get behind Cardinal mm-hmm. Zen. We've seen that's not going to be the case, uh, which is very, very inf- unfortunate. But, you know, everybody else has. Even the, the, the UN's, uh, sorry, the European Parliament has stepped up. Uh, the U.S. government, we've had numerous voices from around the globe mm-hmm. saying how, how, what a violation this is of human rights and specifically of religious freedom. 
Yeah, we're all very disappointed by the fact that the Vatican hasn't given its support over to Cardinal Zinn. In fact, according to your article, you, you even state the Vatican never criticized the arrest, limiting itself to a one-line statement saying, quote, The Holy See has received the news of Cardinal Zinn's arrest with concern, and it's following the evolution of the situation with extreme attention, close quote. I mean, Cardinal Zen was able to go and sit at, uh, you know, inside St. Peter's Square, hoping and praying for an audience with His Holiness and never got one. We all know Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, the, the uh, carnival actors, the, they all get uh, audiences with His Holiness, but not Cardinal Zen. Why would the Vatican not give its support to one of their own princes? Uh, I think the, the real answer, and this is this sounds very ugly to say it, but I, I think, honestly, I think Pope Francis has been very offended by Cardinal Zen's very outspoken criticism of his appeasement uh, of, of China, of the Chinese Communist Party. I think he has not appreciated at all being called out on it by Cardinal Zen, and I think he's, he's getting some comeuppance. I think that's part of it, and I think also his complete unwillingness to criticize China, no matter what it does. He notoriously never calling out China for the Uyghur situation mm. in the Xinjiang uh, territory. Uh, he just won't do that. He he really, really wants to cozy up to China. He really wants there to be uh, a warming of diplomatic relations. I think this has been a dream of his, and he's been willing to sacrifice an awful lot to attain it. You quoted Cardinal Zinn in your article saying, quote, the Pope doesn't know how much the Pope doesn't know much about China. And he may have some sympathy for the communists because in South America, the communists are good guys. They suffer for social justice, but not the Chinese communists. They are persecutors. Close quote, Cardinal Zinn. Why? You know, this is in high school. Cardinal Zinn's 90 and uh, Pope Francis isn't far behind. Um, they're they're adults. They're mature men. They're they're He's one's the Pope and one's a prince. Of the church, it would seem like we should be able to get past our uh, have dialogue, have conversation. I mean, why wouldn't you want to consult uh, a Chinese cardinal about the Chinese situation? Why would you just just be offended by it? I mean, if he's saying, "Hey, there's problems here," why wouldn't he pay attention to that? Well, the irony, the great irony of all this is, and this just happened last week when he was asked, the Pope was asked on the plane whether this constituted, this arrest and trial of Cardinal Zen constitutes a violation of religious freedom. And he said, I prefer, he likes, you know, to talk boldly and he likes to, I prefer the path of dialogue. So it's funny that he keeps touting dialogue as the only way forward, and yet he refuses to dialogue mm. with the man who's actually on trial. Uh, that, that, you know, has not been lost, that Aaron has not been lost on a lot of people, that he talks about dialogue, but then in the end, when somebody comes to him, to his very door, and asks for an audience to explain his position, the Pope will not receive him. Uh, so, no, I, I think it's, I think it's tragic. I think the reason Pope uh, Francis did not do that was he didn't want to give him a further platform. He didn't want him to go talking about it, which he would have done. And he also thinks that he knows exactly what Cardinal Zen thinks already that he's not going to learn anything new by inviting him in to speak. Um, and again, I think that's, I think it's bad policy. I don't think it was a smart way to do it. It's not good for even for his own optics. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be good for his legacy when people remember him down the road. What do you think the chances are that Cardinal Zen will spend the rest of his life in prison? I mean, he, he's 90. I don't know how many more years he has. Maybe he'll live over a hundred. I don't know. But uh, what do you, what do you think the chances are? I, th I think they're less than 50%. I'm, I'm hopeful that they are going to relent and back down because I think that if he is thrown in jail, that will just throw an even larger spotlight on that situation. And I don't think 
they can really afford that kind of negative attention right now, despite the fact that the Vatican obviously does not have the Cardinals back. Mm. So my guess is that they will back down. They could do it. If they really want to show, you know, make a show of strength and say we're not messing around here and uh, there are no exceptions, they could go ahead and do that. Uh, we know that Xi Jinping is very willing to do very bold things like that, and he's, he's ruthless. Uh, so if he doesn't do it, it'll just be a question of, of his own planning for his future. But uh, I, I think they would have no qualms about doing it um, for the sake of doing it. It's just maybe a question of whether the time is right or not. Do you have a sense of Cardinal Zen's attitude or his spirit right now? How is he feeling in all of this? So he recently said, I have lost all my battles, but I am at peace. And I think he has a sense of resignation. He is a, a man of great faith. In fact, when he was threatened with going to jail, this is when he was arrested last May, he said, well, we're all called to martyrdom of some sort. And, and he really believes that he is a man who has lived his priesthood and his, his life as a bishop as a cardinal with great integrity and with great deep spirituality. So I think that's he's where you'd expect him to be. He is accepting this as something which is very difficult, very heavy, but he's ready for it. If, if the Lord asks him to do this, he is ready to stand up and do it. Oh, wow. Well, we will be praying for Cardinal Zen, and uh, boy, would we love to see the Vatican make a bigger, stronger, and more active, uh, take an active role in in this situation. But we are appreciative appreciative of your time, sir, Dr. Thomas Williams, Breitbart Rome Bureau Chief. We're going to link to your article. We'd love to have you back soon. God bless you, and God love you. God bless you, too. Thank you, Rudy. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, Dr. Paul Kengor, poli-sci professor, is going to talk about the impact of canceling student debt, corrupting education yet again. We'll have that conversation uh, at the top of the next hour. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Hang out with us online if you can, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your church most likely has a praise and worship time. Would you be surprised to know that the songs you sing might have nothing to do with worship? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Praise and worship was not a term used until the mid-60s when the Jesus people music started becoming more complex and contemporary. By the late 70s, praise and worship had become an entire entity of its own. Secondly, what is worship? It's a sacrifice. It's not singing a soft, flowy song with hands raised. The New Testament writers understood that worship was a sacrifice, that it occurred on an altar, which was and is known as a place of slaughter. Thirdly, the altar is for you. Jesus, in the holy sacrifices of the Mass, invites you to participate in His timeless sacrifice of love that truly occurs on the altar. No nightclub effects, no entertainment, no pumped-up emotion. Oh, and please don't register for the next Praise and Worship Global Seminar. Why? Because you can't teach praise and it won't include worship. Yikes! 
Hi, this is Sister Dee Dee Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Patrick from St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. The smallest mm-hmm. in life that are as amazing, epic, get your heartbeat pumping, then being out under, the, under the Milky Way stars. Oh. I thought you were going to say eating with ketchup steak. With no, uh, one would never do that for starters. <laughs> one, well, at least not, at least not people who are living in a state of grace. But nonetheless, uh, being out under the Milky Way stars, isn't it incredible? With, with mule deer out in front of you in the prairie, and then listen, mule deer. Mule deer. It's a bigger a hammer. It's, it's a huge deer. Oh, mule deer are big deer. And then you hear the bugling of elk all around you. Otherworldly. Yeah, it is otherworldly. Yeah. It is. Whew. Man, I could do that all day. And then you look to your right. And there's a mule deer and look, you're like, looking back at you. Oh, man. Am <laughs> I about to get Betty and Barney Hill right uh, The now? one thing you do have to be concerned with is bear and, uh, and mountain lion. There's, hmm. there's definitely bear and mountain lion out there. Isn't it not the season for that, though? Actually, it was archery season for elk in the state of Arizona. So no, there were I mean for the there. predators. It, not the I season have, for predators. I could have sworn the. I don't think the bear follow the fishing game rules. I'm just. I think they do what they want. I think it the was, mountain lions come out in the fall or something. Well, Dude, technically, it, it is fall. I guess it right? was my understanding Houston, it's that like it's super illegal. hot. I forgot. Yeah, it was my understanding that it is illegal for mountain lions to hunt during yeah, the exactly. During the, yeah, the they have to get the. They, tags. They're very yeah. frustrated by that. By the way, <laughs> they they have a lobby group, uh, the state capitol. They're like, this is ridiculous. It's their we constitutional should right. Should be able to eat. All year long, not just in the fall. You have to eat uh, the bugs during the rest of the year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, now, uh, we did go fishing uh, at Lake Mary, which was super cool. Wow, cool. Uh, but we didn't catch anything. Oh. Like, literally, we got there too late. Dang. We were there. We It was hard to get all the guys organized and up and moving early enough. So like, we got there just a little too late to, to catch any walleye. It's my understanding that there's two times, right? Right in the morning when they're yeah. rising, mm-hmm. they're eating the bugs. Yeah. Good time to do it. And right. then late at night, they're rising and eating bugs. Now. Yeah. So, do, you, do you have the app? I have the app. No, I don't. There's an app for that? Oh, yeah. There's an oh, app man. that'll tell you which days and what times based on your everything. location is the best time. You're saying there's hope for me. I'm saying there's a cheat sheet that you can follow <laughs> to help you best catch the fish. I was hoping you'd christen that uh, uh, fishing pole. We did. We, oh, we well. took her out for a cast or 10 or 1,000, but we just didn't bring anything back. Dang. And we were using uh, we were using live bait, these little water dogs. It's like salam- baby salamanders. Uh, wow. That's you know? And apparently the walleye. Cruel like, and inhumane. They eat them up. They love that. 
<laughs> they eat them big time. So, well, 20 bucks a dozen for that. I know that's what I said. <laughs> but we it's had that inflation, it, huh? It was beautiful. <laughs> it was gorgeous. Oh, and I saw a flock of turkeys. We saw a bunch of uh, pronghorn. We saw buffalo. We saw tons of elk. Uh, we saw the coyote. We saw we saw a ton of animals. That's awesome. The one I didn't see is a bald eagle. I really wanted to see a bald eagle. Hmm. Man, yeah. we should uh, get him some plugs. Why? Because they have bald. I see. Yeah. I see where you're going. Like a toupee. Yeah. <laughs> Those poor eagles. Yeah. Okay. Well, praise be to God. Hey, joining us right now via phone is our good friend, Dr. Paul Ken Gore, who is not, to my knowledge, bald. Uh, so good morning to you, Dr. Ken Gore. Yeah. Hey, Joe, Rudy, Adrian. I, I got to cut in here. Um, I was going to say you should have set up some Hail Marys while you were fishing on the lake, but I did. that kind of conjures up images of Fredo and the Godfather. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> yes. And be swimming with the fishes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was praying. Trust me. all the good of an idea there. I don't yeah. know. I was begging St. Anthony to help us find the fish. I was, <laughs> I was, I was trying to pull out all the stops just to get one walleye. <laughs> Uh, but it did right. not work. But nonetheless, we had a great time all the same. It was a beautiful location to be to be trying to fish. But uh, let's talk about something a bit more serious. Uh, the uh, yeah. the state of education in our country. Uh, we saw your article over at uh, the American Spectator about uh, canceling of student debt. Now, this this is your full time profession. You are a teacher in school. You're a poli sci professor, uh, Grove City College. You've been in this business for a very long time. Uh, why would canceling student debt be a problem? I mean, some would say that's a great relief. I mean, Europe uh, subsidizes uh, higher education, do they not? So why is this a problem, Dr. Paul Kengor? Well, f- first of all, let me say that, that the cost of higher education is, is absolutely obscene. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I, I cannot believe what it costs. In fact, one of the follow-up articles that I did for Spectator, it was about um, this Carnegie Mellon University professor who um, was just raging against Queen Elizabeth II, calling her all these vile names, you know, using the F word, I mean, put all this stuff up on Twitter, just, just terrible. And I'm going through, I figured, you know, I said, let me check and see what the tuition cost is at Carnegie Mellon. It's it's $80,000 a year. It's it's like seventy nine thousand eight hundred seventy dollars. But that guarantees $80, you. That must guarantee you a two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year salary, though, right? That's that's without the no, fees of uh, without that. That's that's probably without living campus on campus fees, right? Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. That, so that includes room and board. But it I think include. the tuition is probably close to sixty. Oh, I think, goodness. and and that's not unusual. And a lot of this too. I mean, you know, one of the people who's one of is you know, calling for canceling student debts, Elizabeth Warren. She was a professor at Harvard, where the average faculty salary is 188 thousand a year, and and and, mo- and most of those professors at places like that teach only two, three, or four classes per year. Oh wow! Okay, so you know, you know, the, the, don't let anybody tell you that, that you know these professors are overworked, right? <laughs> oh, you poor. I mean, yeah, I'm a professor, right? Oh, you poor professor, you people work so hard. You know, they work on average ten to twenty hours a week for seven months out of the year. What a gig! <laughs> How do I sign Ooh. up? They're, they're they're off for four months in the summer. You know, but <sighs> most most public school teachers are off like what? mid-June to, like, mm. mid-August, right? right? College professors get off the start of May. They go back, like, the end of August. They're off for a month during, during I'm, Christmas I'm break. I'm changing professions. So they, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> you talked me into it. 
And the good news is, if I go back to school, I'll have the debt canceled anyway, so I can just go for free. Well, and, and let me and let me tell. So let me share my own experience here, right? I got a master's degree from American University in Washington. Nice. That was in 1993. I think it was like it was like seventy thousand bucks. I had to pay for it back then, and, and, and like many young people at the time, I had no idea. We, what the debt payments would look like, and, and this is part of it. When you're 20, 21, 22, you know, we're actually even you know, late teens, you have no, you have no concept of what this means, right? What that kind of debt is, you have no idea. I, I, I remember as an undergraduate, and I've seen this many times, walking through the student union and seeing these credit card companies signing up students mm-hmm. and offering like, like two liter uh, bottles of Mountain Dew yeah. for a free credit card, <laughs> yeah. right? free wallet or something. That? Yeah, yeah. yeah. T-shirt. Hats. And, 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 yeah, and the kids would sign up. It's like, oh, I'll take that. That's yeah, cool, man. I remember getting right? credit card applications at the ca- at the college bookstore when serious? I had to buy my textbooks for class. They passed me a credit card application at the same time. Is that, like, is that illegal now? Because I, whenever I was at in the university just a few years ago, that was that was not the case. Is that something that's changed? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it's illegal right now. Let me make an ideological point here, right? Uh, the the uh, a lot of the people you know, in the federal government, you know, um, liberals, Democrats, would be the first to regulate and shut down something like that when a private credit card company is doing it. But they're not going after higher ed. Mm. Could be, and, and I think this is part of the point. Higher ed, that's their people. I mean, those people vote, you know, 90, 95 percent of them, you know, vote liberal, vote the Democratic Party line. So, so liberals have given higher ed a pass on all this. I mean, if conservatives were running academia, the liberals would be going nuts, wanting to regulate it, shut it down, control tuition prices, everything else. Instead, they give them a pass on all of this. Elizabeth Warren gives them a pass on all of this. But who are they going after now? They're going after student loans. They're, they're, go, they're going after student loan companies. Right, they're, go, they're going after the companies that give loans. Uh, Raphael Warnock, who's the senator from, from Georgia, he says this about, about the loan cancellation program of Joe Biden. This is only a first step for the countless Georgia borrowers who will still be burdened by crushing debt tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to keep fighting for additional student re- relief for all Georgians left struggling with student debt. And get this, guys. And to prevent future borrowers from carrying that same burden, hmm. right? So future borrowers, what does that tell future lenders? Yeah, you know, maybe future lenders shouldn't be lending money anymore to students. Who, if, 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 well, then again, I guess if the if the if the lenders are going to get it all paid off by Uncle Sam, I, right. I guess the lenders don't, don't have to worry about all of it. Because we're yeah, talking but, about but, we're talking about government loans here, right? Well. Uh, Government loans, I guess, to some degree. I, I mean, the I talked to a former student of mine about two weeks ago. She told me she said I owe twenty thousand dollars in student loans, and Biden just wiped off ten thousand of them for me. Wow! Mm. So I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure. In fact, the total amount of how much this was, I saw originally three hundred billion, then I saw five hundred billion. And, and, and let me say this, regardless of the actual specifics of these government loans or these staffer loans or so forth, uh, all of this has unleashed a, a larger push to cancel all student loan debt right mm. now, currently, uh, yeah, re- re- regardless of where they're from. 
And, and in, in my case, with my student loans, I did this, and you guys probably did this, and probably 99% of the people listening right now did this. When I owed all that money from, from American University, from getting my master's degree down there, and, and my wife and I, you know, my, my, we were newlyweds, we saw that first student loan payment. She cried. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> she said, how are we so going brutal. to do this? How are we going to do this? So we kept doing every deferment that we could. I got my first academic job, which I think paid forty thousand dollars a year. Wow. Right? I didn't get. I didn't have a doctor's salary. I didn't have a lawyer's salary. And I. I had a PhD. I had a master's degree. I'll tell you guys. I literally had to write a best-selling book. Mm-hmm. It was called God and Ronald Reagan, published in two thousand four, to pay off my student loan wow. debts. But this was a financial obligation. It was a moral obligation, and I did it. And, and I should add here too. There were probably hundreds, if not thousands, of kids around the country who paid off their student do- uh, student loan debts about a week before Joe Biden yeah. stepped in yeah, that's and rough, did the cancellation it? plans for all their former classmates. Mm-hmm. Right? What suckers they were! Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, it's but, but interesting, Doctor Kingor. Because, yeah. you know, I'm thinking about this, and uh, for one, I, I paid off college in while I was at university. I worked and I paid it off, and so I graduated with uh, no debt, and now I'm like, well, well what am I doing? But also, yeah. the other concern is that if the government does uh, forgive $10,000 worth of loans, well, then isn't that just incentive for the schools to now charge $10,000 more so that way they can just keep making more money? Absolutely, and especially with no calls from Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Raphael Warnock, Bernie Sanders, or any of these people for, for these colleges to control their prices. And I'm worried, too, about, about future you know, students down the road taking on more debts and, and then, then counting on Uncle Sam at some point to come in and step in and wipe off some of their debts, right? That, you know, that they, that they will now have that expectation. And, and that, that, that's exactly, you know, this is feeding that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and in fact, let me give one, one more example. My undergrad student loans, I didn't have any because first of all, my parents and my, my parents always had middle class jobs. My mom worked at a bank. You know, my, my, my father worked in a, worked in a steel mill. They dumped their entire life savings. Mm. into into paying the undergraduate costs for myself, my brother, and my sister. That wasn't enough, so I worked 30 hours a week all through the time that I was pre-med at the University of Pittsburgh. It took me six years to get my undergraduate degree because I had to work that whole time, and then I had mm. to work full-time in the summers, right? Uh, again, what a sucker I was. Right. Right? I, I shouldn't have <laughs> bothered. I should have just waited for the government to come in. <laughs> Pay all, pay mm-hmm. all of this off. You'd have been waiting so, a long so time, is, but uh, still. this is a bad standard being created here. Yeah, it does feel that way. Uh, but let me, because we have about uh, just about under sixty seconds here. So why wouldn't we, as a country, go to what you, uh, some European countries have and they subsidize higher education for their citizens? Why would we not do that? You got about forty-five seconds. Yeah, well, there are so many universities and so many costs. By the way, we have far more colleges. We probably have more in Pennsylvania, I think, <laughs> than they do in, in, in all of England. Um, so uh, there's the music. You want to call me back for a longer discussion? Yeah, I guess we'll one? have you back for that. But Dr. Paul Kengor, a poli-sci professor at uh, Grove City College, always great to have you on the program. Thank you for your time today. 
All right, Joe. Thanks, guys. Check out his article over at uh, the American Spectator. I highly encourage you. That's uh, spectator.org, and it's the left's continuing corruption of education. Hey, right after this break, we're going to have fun, and we may even give prizes away this week. Uh, Call us right now, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. I mean it. Don't tell anybody, like, at all, all right? If you'll do that, then I shall share them with you. Number one, we like to teach the faith, and we look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. That's always fun. Then we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time, a good chuckle, and our callers are actually amazing. Praise be to God. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. You have a good time, you learn something, and you can win something. But here's the kicker. I have three Catholic trivia questions sitting before me, but we won't be asking the caller, so they don't even need to know the, co- the correct answers. They could not know a single correct answer, but could still win our game 
because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy and I shall ask Adrian, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And every correct answer then goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Uh, Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week are the Troops of St. George. And they say the Troops of St. George Apostolate aims to use the outdoors as their canvas and the sacraments as a path to light the way for the formation of holy Catholic men and boys. Sounds right up your alley, Joe. Now they say, uh, whether called to the vocation of priesthood, the religious life, or that of holy fatherhood, our fathers and sons will take a prayerful pilgrimage together to fulfill Christ's desire for them to grow in virtue and in their holy Catholic faith. As a journey towards heaven, they say, St. George, pray for us. Amen. Uh, if you're in the Dallas area and want to enrich the lives of your boys, make sure to check out troopsofstgeorge.org. I'll repeat it one more time. Troopsofstgeorge.org. And I bet that website is applicable to anywhere. Not oh, just is it? I, I thought they were just in Dallas. Well, no, they're if all you're over. interested, troopsofstgeorge.org. And the winner this week is going to receive a custom paracord Italian rosary. And uh, as well as a tumbler and a water bottle, all with the Troops of St. George regalia on it. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you, Troops of St. George. Uh, TroopsofStGeorge.org for giving us prizes to give away this week. We are so very grateful. Let's go to the phones. Speaking of Dallas, Vicki from Dallas is on with us. Good morning to you, Vicki. Good morning, everybody. Pra- praise be to God, I just drove through your neck of the woods yesterday on my way home. Um, beautiful. Oh. Yeah, the the traffic was just incredibly uh, <laughs> annoying. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But how are you? How are you today, Vicky? Speaking of traffic. Well, you should you should be thankful to have to Dallas in that Well, it's Fort Worth, technically speaking. Okay, so it's just yeah, it was, it was close to Dallas, just, right next door. We just have had so many highways added on in the last twenty years since we. Dallas from California. Yeah, you got a lot of yeah. options. <laughs> you got a lot of options up there. Come to Houston sometime. You don't have nearly as many options to get around as you do up in the Metroplex area. Hey, Vicky, where do you go to church? Remind us, please. St. Luke's and Irving. St. Luke's and Irving. Yeah, I've been there. But I have, remember, I have many choices. You do. That's true. So what you're saying then is there's no excuse for not hitting a daily mass. Is that what I just heard? That's right. <laughs> no pressure. All right. I know you know the rules. You played before. R- Vicky, are you ready? I am. Let's do this thing. We will start with Rudy Carlos. Rudy, who'd you start with yesterday? I'm just curious. Uh, yesterday, I started with Brent. With who? Brent. Brent. How did yeah. he do? He did great. Did he get him right or wrong? Well, Brent's kind of tricky. He's a tricky He's guy. He's a tricky guy. He's an attorney. That's right. So you got to keep That's that. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Rudy, uh, good morning to you again. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us with your... Tie today. Ooh, oh, let me striped tie. Let me tell you about this, this is tie. A new tie. This is Royal Irish Poplin. <laughs> the finest the thrift store has to offer. Are you going to go on a fox hunt later today? I'm I do declare. Yeah. Do you have the tweed? I'm just what? No. Well, I got tweed pants today. You got tweed pants today. You can't see that on camera. I guess not. All right. Can you tell me who is the patron saint of persons condemned to death? Condemned to death. Well, our blessed Lord looked to his left. Oh, yeah. You look to the right. Mm-hmm. And on one side, I can't remember which side he was on, but it was uh, mm-hmm. Dismas. Dismas. He said, Lord, I'm sorry. He repented. And then our Lord said, you will be with me this night. He stole this day. heaven is what you're saying. Exactly. Stole it in heaven. He didn't do any good works. No acts of charity nope. like, say, 
you know, rebutting people who refuse and reject Christ. He didn't do any of that. He didn't, he was just he didn't beg for mercy. He it might have been it. the first confession. Anyway, okay. it was St. Dismas. Dismas, you say. Adrian, can you tell me, who is the patron saint of persons condemned to death? Oh, yeah, that's easy. I'm glad we got that covered. Yeah. Praise be. I feel oh, better. You, you want me to give I, you an answer? I feel better. Oh, I thought, I thought that you were wondering chest. if I could give you an answer. I mean, I was going to go to counseling later today, but oh, no okay. need. I feel better now. Okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. I was confused there for a second. I, I just thought you wanted me to wanted to know if I could give you an answer. Mm-hmm. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with St. Longinus. Really? Mm-hmm. St. Longinus. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Some might say Longinus. Longinus. But I don't like that. Longinus. Okay. I think I saw a movie about him once. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right, uh, Vicky from Dallas, you got options. The patron saint of persons condemned to death. Was it Longinus, as Adrian suggests, or Dismas, as Rudy is trying to tell us? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicky, what say you? I think if I go with Adrian, I'm gonna get a long nose, so I'm gonna go with Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says, yeah. so wise. I don't have my trigger. bell. The, the bell is gone. I was gonna ring the bell for you, Vicky, but tank gonna happen, I suppose. But you are correct. Dismiss is the correct answer. Praise be to God. Longinus, Adrian, that is the Roman soldier, right? Right. He's the one who pierced our Lord's side. Yeah. Water yeah. flowed in his face, and he said, mm-hmm. "Truly, he is the Son of God." And then. Everybody in history spent all their time looking for the tip of his spear, uh, including Hitler. Yep. Uh, so, interesting story. So, Dismas is correct. You did well. You're in the cup. You could win. Let's go to this next question, which arguably the hardest question I've ever seen, personally. Uh, this is the easy question. No way. This is the easiest it, question ever. Uh, fair warning, Vicky. <sighs> I even think the card says this is the hardest question known to man. Mm. Uh, pretty, look, it's the fine print right there. says it. Uh, let's start with Adrian first. Adrian, this is a subject that I know you have spent countless semesters in deep theological contemplation over. Could you tell me, what is the practice of doing without physical nourishment as a means of penance? Well, considering that today, Friday and Saturday are Ember Days. What? Yep, that's I didn't right. get the memo. Mm-hmm. It's an Ember Day. That means we have to do fasting, abstinence, and penance. So, I'm going to go with fasting. Fasting is your answer. Fasting is my answer. Seems sketch, but okay, fasting. Gotta go fast. Go fast. All right. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me, um, by the looks of it, I'm not sure you could, but uh, <laughs> what is the practice of doing without physical nourishment as a means of penance? Well, they call that slowing. <laughs> Sorry, I just got that morning. Slowing I got the morning in, allergy yeah. thing going on. Slowing, like slow your roll. Slow, slowing. Yeah. Sorry. Some call it fasting. Um, other people call it slowing. Slowing your roll. Yeah. It's the official term. Uh, depending on what part of the hemisphere of the world you're in. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Cultural. It's a. It depends on the city. Um, ba- base no cap. Is that what they? Base also? no cap. F R F R. F R F R. All right, Vicky. I don't know how hip you are with the kids these days, Vicky, but uh, what is the practice of doing without physical nourishment as a means of penance? Rudy seems to think it's called slowing, whereas Adrian says it's called fasting. I'm not sure the speed of all of this, but 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Vicky, what say you? Fasting. Fasting. You're not driving too fast, are you, there, Vicky? <laughs> yes. Slowing. 
Duh. Duh. Thank you. Yeah, fasting is the correct answer. It has nothing to do with the speed at which you don't eat the food. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you said speed as you reverse your weight. Yeah. There you go. You can have one meal as long as you spread it out throughout yeah. the whole day. Throughout yeah, the whole just day. Eat, just eat that one meal as slow as possible. Yes. <laughs> and drink a, Take a bite water. every hour. Drink a lot of water. All right. Uh, you're in for two. You could win. I mean, you're you're doing fairly well here. Let's just see how this third question goes. We're going to go back to uh, Rudy first on this question. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me what term refers to the fulfillment of desire or whatever makes a person happy? What do we call that? Joe, I want you to be happy, man. Yes. And so I'm going to say felicity. Uh, felicity. Felicity. That was a television show, right, in the early 2000s? I don't know. Felicity? I think it was. She was like I a didn't doctor. Watch her. No, that was Grey's Anatomy. What was Felicity was something, a movie or yeah, a television show? It was show. a TV show. Was it? I don't remember I forget what, what it was about. about. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Felicity's your Felicity. answer. Felicity. Yeah. And you somehow think that makes me happy. Oh, okay. well, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know they say, I just want you to be happy, man. Do what makes you happy, Joe. Felicity. Do what makes you Felicity. Oh, I see. Okay. Adrian, uh, not that I think you know what makes people happy, but let me just ask you nonetheless. What term refers to the fulfillment of desire or whatever makes a person happy? Well, as someone who is uh, well known as a heartbreaker, <laughs> I am not, <laughs> not an expert on this topic. Sorry, how's, how's that go? But uh, the answer is trepidatio. <clears throat> sorry, sorry. <clears throat> Just a little, I got clear, clear some phlegm. Uh, tre- trepidatio, you say? Trepidatio. Trepidatio. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a Latin term. Uh, hopefully your, it means chocolate, it which does, does make not. me happy. It means okay. fulfillment of desire or whatever makes a person happy. Trepidatio. All right, Vicky, is it trepidatio, as Adrian says, or felicity, as Rudy says? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Vicky in Dallas, what say you? Felicity. I'm sorry? Who? I'm going to go with felicity. Felicity. Survey says yes. Do what makes you felicity. As long as you Eat don't go into sin. chocolate. That's that's what felicity is to me. In moderation. By the pound. Yes. <laughs> Over a year. Vicky, congratulations. You got three right. Perfect score. God love you, Vicky. Thanks for having a, a laugh with us today and safe travels. But uh, God bless you. Thanks for being on. Thank you. All right. We're going to put you on hold, Vicky. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show i have survived it by the grace of god i have uh we're going to go into the after show next you can hang out with us at grnonline.com forward slash cdt thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today share jesus with everyone you meet bye now and god love you Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. 
Today is the feast of the Apostle Evangelist St. Matthew. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. From all thy saints in warfare, for all thy saints at rest, to thee, O blessed Jesus, all praises be addressed. Thou, Lord, didst win the battle, that they might conquerors be. Their crowns of living glory are lit with rays from Thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory in excelsis Deo, et in terra pax omnibus, bonae voluntatis, laudamus te, benedicimus te, adoramus te, glorificamus te, gratias agimus tibi, Proptemaniam gloriam tuam, Domine Deus Rex Celestis, Deus Pater Omnipotens, Domine Fili Unigenite, Jesu Christe, Domine Deus Agnus Dei, Filius Patris, Ui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Ui tolis peccata mundi, suscipe de precationem nostram. Ui sedes ad exteram patris, miserere nobis. Quoniam tu solus sanctus, tu solus dominus, tu solus altissimus, Iesu Christe, cum sancto Spiritu, 
in Gloria Dei Patris. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who with untold mercy were pleased to choose an apostle, St. Matthew the tax collector, grant that, sustained by his example and intercession, we may merit to hold firm in following you. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live in a manner worthy of the call you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, one body and one spirit, as you are also called to the one hope of your call, one Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he gave some as apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelists, others as pastors and teachers, to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the extent of the full stature of Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Their message goes out through all the earth. Their message goes out through all the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day pours out the word to day, and night to night imparts knowledge. Their message goes out through all the earth. Not a word nor a discourse whose voice is not heard. Through all the earth their voice resounds, and to the ends of the world their message. Their message goes out through all the earth. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. We praise you, O God, we acclaim you as Lord. The glorious company of apostles praise you. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the customs post. He said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. While he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said, those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel that is given to us today, actually coming from the writer, because it talks about his that moment of conversion and his call, kind of reminds us of the last two gospels from this from Sunday in ordinary time. The first being that the extravagant mercy of the Father, and that Jesus came to call sinners. Uh, he came to, to leave the 99 behind, righteous, and to find the one sinner that he could put on his shoulders, or the lost coin that is found, and then there's this great rejoicing in heaven. Because this is really what happens even in Matthew's call in his life, that when Jesus calls him in that moment, uh, he, he then has this great celebration. And who does he invite? Well, he invites not, his, not necessarily uh, the, the most righteous of people, but tax collectors, sinners, those who, his co-workers, his friends, uh, those whom he had associated with. In order, they want, He wants him to meet this person, Jesus, uh, because he himself has just been overthrown. His whole world has been overthrown by Christ. And then last Sunday's gospel, remember, was about the dishonest steward or the one who was, uh, Jesus says, you know, use, that, use unrighteous mammon or um, uh, to buy yourself friends so that when it fails, you will have a place in heaven. Somehow Matthew, I'm sure the grace of God was already working in his heart before Jesus came and looked at him and called him. Something was obviously amiss. He had used his life or had spent a lot of his life gaining wealth and realized that it, uh, it was not completely satisfying. So when Jesus came and he points to Matthew, that beautiful picture by Caravaggio of Jesus pointing to Matthew, and Matthew sort of pointing to him and saying, are you talking to me? Or is it me you're really calling? Um, gets up immediately and follows Jesus. That promptness of following the Lord. Something really struck this man, and it changed. It turned all of the money tables uh, of his heart so that he would completely be dependent on Jesus, completely give his life. And he's so, he was so enamored by Jesus that he wanted to forget, not to forget any word that he had said, that he went about to write the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others could come to encounter the Lord who had, who had so changed his heart. I think today we should read Matthew's gospel, but if we can't read the whole thing, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. There, Matthew understood that Jesus was this new Moses who had given a new law, but it wasn't a law that was simply imposed. It was also accompanied with the grace in order to live it, that that grace would literally conform our life, transform our life to be like Christ. There's so many beautiful things that are said there, and Matthew recognized the righteousness, the beauty, the holiness of Jesus as the Son of God and wanted us to encounter him as well even in our day. So we thank St. Matthew for his prompt response to Jesus' call, for listening to Jesus, being faithful to Jesus, following him, and then writing his story, writing his words, so that we, even today, can encounter the Lord. St. Matthew, pray for us. Help us to be prompt in following the Lord Jesus, that every word that we hear from the Lord would bear fruit in our life. Amen. Let us now stand and bring our prayers before our Heavenly Father. We pray for the Holy Church of God.
Let us pray through the intercession of St. Matthew that we would evangelize, be great evangelizers, light and salt of the world and salt of the earth. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for those who govern us, that they may be concerned not only for the needs of their own nations, but for all peoples, especially those who are most vulnerable. They may always respect life and from conception to natural death. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray that we may be always fed by the word of God and by his body and blood, the word become flesh. We, wait, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for sinners everywhere, sinners in the universal church, that uh, through the intercession of St. Matthew, they may be called to and be enamored by the beauty and glory and holiness of Jesus, for turn from their sins and return to the Lord. We pray to the Lord. We pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Father, we bring to the Lord all of the petitions that we hold in the silence of our hearts, for those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, and also for those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. For their intentions, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers and grant our petitions through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands. Become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice in your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. As we celebrate anew the memory of St. Matthew, we bring you sacrifices and prayers, O Lord, humbly imploring you to look kindly on your church, whose faith you have nourished by the preaching of the apostles, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you, and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you, eternal shepherd, do not desert your flock, but through the blessed apostles watch over it and protect it always, so that it may be governed by those you have appointed shepherds to lead it in the name of your Son. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, 
We sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, we venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who hold into the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. To all gathered here, whose faith and devotion are known to you, for them we offer you the sacrifice of praise, or the offer for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls, in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas, and Damian, and all your saints, we ask that through their merits and prayers in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace, and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, as Almighty Father, giving you thanks. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium fidei, 
Mortem tuam annunciamus Domine, et tuam resurrectionem confitemur, donec venias. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the Blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life, and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance, and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, o, o Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your, ser your servants, who, though sinners, hope in your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, and Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints, Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere. Pater noster, qui has in celis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in cielo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. 
The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Suffer to the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, Vitolis Peccata Mundi, Miserere Nobis. Agnus Dei, Vitolis Peccata Mundi, Miserere Nobis. Agnus Dei, Vitolis Peccata Mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. I did not come to call the just, but sinners, says the Lord. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, que subis figuris fere latitas, Tibi secur meum totum sugicit, quia te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tactus gustus in te falitur, sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid ixit Dei filius, Niloc verbo veritatis verius. In cruce latepat sola deitas, Adic latet simulet humanitas. Ambo tamen credens adque confitens, peto quod petivit latro penitens. Amen. Let us pray. Sharing in that saving joy, O Lord, with which St. Matthew welcomed the Savior as a guest in his own home, we pray. Grant that we may always be renewed by the food we receive from Christ, 
who came to call not the just, but sinners to salvation. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that Thy peace always, in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Because quote from our perpetual calendar today, our faith must grow and grow and grow and grow. And every day we must grow in faith, hope, and love. Hi, this is Larry Massey, owner of Holy Bear.